welcome to this week's episode of Humans Discuss Being. My name is Eve Darcy. Going back to the therapy specials today. So this is therapy special three. So the last therapy special episode was on phases of therapy and the process of change. This episode is going to be about some common experiences people have, particularly at the beginning stages of therapy. So firstly, I'm going to talk about what's known as the flight into health. After that, I'm going to talk about why you think your psychotherapist is an idiot who has no idea what they're doing. And obviously, you know, you're right. They're obviously the problem. Their professionalism is what's causing you your personal problems. Uh, In this episode, I'm also going to talk about something called the window of tolerance, as well as offer some suggestions on grounding techniques and why I feel they're particularly important for people to have in their arsenal as they embark on a therapeutic journey. And from my own experience of engaging in therapy years ago, started years ago, um, I really feel like I could have done with grounding techniques and... um, yeah, I just feel I could have been better equipped, I think. So I feel like this is something that really should be done in therapy as as you start out in therapy, you know? So th- I feel like the psychotherapist should be encouraging people to engage with these grounding techniques, however difficult they are and all that. But um, yeah, so first of all, flight into health. So this phenomenon called flight into health is said to occur in psychotherapy when a client seems to make a spontaneous recovery when they're faced with a prospect of therapy or of addressing particular issues at strategic points in the therapeutic work. So like, for example, someone complaining of depression may suddenly pronounce themselves well at the point when their feeling of sexual inadequacy in their marriage is about to be raised. So it's kind of like when you're about to go into like an issue that you might not want to go into, you're suddenly like, actually, I'm cured. I'm fine. And I'm grand and off you go. So that's called a flight into health. And this may occur at the level of conscious manipulation of the circumstances or maybe regarded as occurring unconsciously or at least without insight. The flight into health is used as an interpretive label suggesting that clients who responded too quickly to therapeutic intervention were actually engaging in escape tactics. So according to this view, rapid responses to therapy were attempts to avoid the pain and anxiety of further exploration and self-disclosure. In saying all that, I do feel it's important to mention that there exists a different perspective on the phenomenon of flight into health. And that is that it's most flight into health phenomena actually represent positive and genuine expressions of emerging health and are not self-deceptive pseudo successes as traditionally interpreted. So you know who knows who knows what it is but I think you know it's good to just even be aware that that's a possibility you know that if you're all of a sudden rejecting therapy and think I actually don't really want to do this anymore I don't feel I need to that that actually might be the flight into health thing also I know I've said it before but when you're feeling well you know and when you're feeling you know I guess more connected to yourself more empowered when you're feeling like psychologically well and healthy that's actually the best time to do therapy weirdly that is the best time to do therapy because you're more grounded you know you feel stronger in yourself and your abilities you have a different outlook on things maybe a calmer more positive one so 
you know, that is the best time to keep doing your therapy. So when you think you need to leave is maybe when you need to stay and you can do more work. So next I'm going to talk about why you think your psychotherapy is, your psychotherapist is shite. So basically it's, you know, therapeutic work is uncomfortable. Learning about parts of ourselves we've covered up for whatever reason, it's unsettling. In time, you eventually grow to view this sensation of feeling unsettled as possessing potential for positive change. So you eventually do, or rather I did, or I'm trying to <laughs> view the sensation of feeling unsettled and all the, you know, potential anxiety and everything that that brings up. I'm, you know, working on viewing that as more of a positive thing. You know, just CBT the shit out of things and you'll be fine. So, however, though, um, when you're starting out in therapy, and starting out with this inner work. It is unfamiliar, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, and at times it is awful. There's no point pretending that therapy or this inner work is easy all of the time. Obviously it's not. Nothing truly valuable is easy. Most worthwhile things require effort, conscious, compassionate, and sustained effort, and therapy is certainly no different. So because therapy is unsettling, quite a large part of you, whether conscious or unconscious, will want it to stop. Totally understandable. Why would you want to voluntarily keep doing something that for a while, at least, is making you feel worse or you think you're feeling worse? Uh, but things do get better. Stick with it. So you will come up with all kinds of reasons to stop therapy. You know, you just don't have the time, you don't have the money, shouldn't you be charging for this service? My therapist's an idiot who doesn't know what they're doing. I couldn't possibly have therapy on a weekday and obviously weekends are out. Feelings are nonsense. Why would I want to give that shit any airtime? Of, you know whatever your reason or excuse you'll think of it but that's all part of it it's normal for parts of yourself to resist this venture this change it's normal in saying that your therapist might be shite that's obviously a possibility but it's also a possibility that part of you is somewhat frightened and reluctant to do this work to go digging down into the deep recesses of your inner psyche who knows what you'll find you know you could find out that you like dungarees and you're committed to taking them seriously as a clothing choice from now on. No one wants that. Least of all the people who have to look at you wearing them. You might find out that everyone you've ever dated is a copy of one of your parents and now you're considering celibacy as a lifestyle choice from here on in. So, you know, who knows what you'll discover. But just consider and be curious about your resistances to therapy and your issues with your therapist. Is your therapist shite? or is part of you just a little bit frightened? In saying that, if your therapist is doing any of the following, then they might not be fit for purpose. So like if they're on their phone during sessions, if they're yawning, if they're not listening, responding, if they judge you, big no-no. If they tell you what to do, absolutely not. You will want them to. Obviously, when I started going to therapy, I was like, you professional person who I'm paying, tell me what I need to do. Tell me what the issue is, Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I need to do better. I was all about them telling me what to do. Really, that is a very, very, very bad idea. And in time, you know, I did realize that's obviously not good <laughs> to have somebody uh, disempower you further by telling you what to do, what they think you should do with your life. You know, really, you are the only one who knows that. Obviously, you know that. Uh, also, they're shite if they impose their religious, spiritual, political or social beliefs onto you, if they're insensitive to your beliefs or background, if they break confidentiality, if they encourage you to blame everyone else for your issues. That's, oh, so tempting. Mm, so beautiful that might be. 
to blame everyone else for your issues not a good therapist okay if they're doing that not a good therapist if they shame mental illness obviously not a good therapist if they talk too much about themselves mm -mm. if they push you to talk about or do something you are not yet comfortable to okay that's really important you shouldn't do that and they need to know the boundaries and be professional if they rush a diagnosis or if they overdiagnose, not great either if they become overly defensive about feedback or criticism you know this is a profession they're you know a professional self so they should be able to take feedback or, or criticism if they push a therapeutic approach too hard if they try to be your friend ugh, who wants that anytime my therapist starts telling me anything about himself i'm like be quiet i don't care <laughs> i don't need to hear anything about you thank you okay next i'm going to talk about the window of tolerance and how you can calm the fuck down how you can help yourself calm the fuck down so the window of tolerance and this is something i do recommend you googling particularly google imaging window of tolerance because there's some really great visual representations of what this is so this is a term coined by dr dan siegel he's also responsible for this flipping the lid example which explains why we are less able to think clearly when we're experiencing feelings of stress anxiety or fear and just kind of as, as a tangent slight tangent if you feel like you're currently functioning at a somewhat reduced mental capacity like at the moment with everything going on it's definitely something that i've noticed i'm experiencing a good bit and i've heard other people mention it as well it might be because you know we're collectively experiencing a global pandemic and seemingly endless lockdowns like that shit is going to cause you to freak out a little bit regardless of how well you can externally portray yourself as having your shit together these are difficult times we're in it would make sense if our amygdalas were more fired up than usual and if as a result we can't really think very clearly so that's this kind of flipping the lid idea that was a slight tangent now i'm back to the window of tolerance so the window of tolerance is a term used to describe the zone of arousal in which a person is able to function most effectively. When people are within this zone, they're typically able to readily receive, process and integrate information and otherwise respond to the demands of everyday life without much difficulty. During times of extreme stress, people often experience periods of either hyper or hypo arousal. So hyper arousal, otherwise known as the flight fight response is often characterized by hypervigilance or feelings of anxiety and or panic or racing thoughts so you might be experiencing a sensation of hyper arousal if you're hypervigilant you're feeling really anxious if you're panicked or if your thoughts are racing hypo arousal is the freeze response so this may cause feelings of emotional numbness emptiness or paralysis so in either of these states hypo or hyper arousal. An individual may become unable to process stimuli effectively. The prefrontal cortex region of the brain, part at the front of your brain, it shuts down in a manner of speaking. Effectively, it shuts down the, the ability to think rationally and often leading to the development of feelings of dysregulation, which may take the form of chaotic responses or overly rigid ones. In these periods, a person can be said to be outside their window of tolerance. So. Just even being curious or a little bit more aware of like your behavior or your breathing that's a really good indication of where you're at in your window of tolerance particularly your breath so each individual's window of tolerance is different 
Those who have a narrow window of tolerance may often feel as if their emotions are intense and difficult to manage. Others with a wider window of tolerance may be able to handle intense emotions or situations without feeling like their ability to function has been significantly impacted. The window of tolerance can also be affected by environment. People are generally more able to remain within the window of tolerance when they feel safe and supported. Most people move between these varying states of arousal from time to time. Trauma and or extreme stress often make it more likely a person will become either hypo or hypo aroused. And just like a quick word on trauma. So trauma is different for different people. Everyone has experienced some degree of trauma at some point in their lives. It would really, I think, be impossible not to. But like I said, it's different for different people. I'm going to be talking about trauma another time later on. So how do we manage this window of tolerance and how do we help ourselves calm the fuck down when we are outside of our window of tolerance? Because it is possible for people who have become dysregulated to use techniques to return to their window of tolerance. So grounding and mindfulness techniques are considered beneficial by many mental health experts because they often help people remain in the present moment. By focusing on the physical sensations currently being experienced, for example, people are often able to remain in the present, calming and soothing themselves enough to effectively manage extreme arousal. So these techniques and others can also be learned in therapy and I really think that these should be sort of taught alongside the therapeutic work. So many individuals are able to widen their window of tolerance and by doing so increase their sense of calm and become able to deal with stress in more adaptive ways. Therapy, which provides a safe space for people to process painful memories and emotions can be a helpful step for many. With the help of a mental health professional, individuals are often able to make contact with their emotions without becoming so dysregulated that they cannot integrate them. Increasing emotional regulation capabilities in this way can lead to a wider window of tolerance and prevent dysregulation. So I'm just going to go into a little bit on what I mean by grounding techniques. Like a lot of people just say grounding techniques, they say mindfulness, all these kind of things. And you're just like, okay, but what the hell is that? Like practically, what is that? So grounding is a practice that can help you pull away from flashbacks, unwanted memories and negative or challenging thoughts or emotions. These techniques may help distract you from what you're experiencing and refocusing, refocus on what's happening in the present moment. Because oftentimes, like if we're experiencing flashbacks or, you know, negative emotions or memories or anything like that, it's usually like about something that has happened in the past or about something that will happen in the future. So it's about just bringing ourselves back into the present moment and trying really to ground ourselves in that and to focus on that and to focus on ourselves and our bodies within this present moment. So you can use grounding techniques to help create space from distressing feelings in nearly any situation. And there are different kinds of techniques. So there's physical techniques, mental techniques, soothing techniques as well. So for example, some examples of physical techniques would include putting your hands in water, holding a cube of ice, pick up or touch items near you and really concentrate on them. Think about, is it soft? Is it hard? Is it heavy, light, warm, cool? 
all of that kind of stuff. So focus on the color, the texture, really just focus on what is in your hand. Another one, breathe deeply. So slowly inhale, slowly exhale. If it helps, you can think in when you're breathing in and think out when you're breathing out. Another technique, savor a food or drink. Take a short walk, savor a scent. So you might have like perfume or some oils or something like that. Herbs, spices, teas, soaps, candles, whatever it is. Just really focus on the scent of that. Another one, move your body. So this is really good. Like even just doing anything at all, like jumping jacks, doing a weird shake dance thing, whatever it is, just move your body a little bit. It'll get you out of your mind and into your body. And that's what we want. Your body's in the present moment. Listen to your surroundings. So just even sitting down and just listening to what's happening. Not tuning into one sound in particular, just observing all of the different sounds. Another thing would be feel your body. So you can do the sitting or standing. Focus on how your body feels from head to toe, noticing each part. So you can even pretend a good visualization technique for this is like even pretending that there's like a light that's shining down on you and it's moving to different parts of your body. So there are some physical techniques. Another good physical technique is something that I call like the come to your senses. So you're basically just using your senses to notice things around you. So as I sit here, what can I see? What can I hear? What can I touch? Can I taste anything? If you can't taste anything, just imagine tasting your favorite food or drink. What can you smell? Again, if you can't smell anything, imagine smelling your favorite smell. So they're all physical techniques, physical grounding techniques. Some mental techniques would be, for example, play a memory game, think in categories. So for example, choose one or two broad categories such as musical instruments, ice cream flavors, mammals, baseball teams, whatever it is. And then just take a few minutes to mentally list as many of those things from each category as you can. You could use maths and numbers things are really bad. You could recite something like a poem or a song or something that you know by heart. You could make yourself laugh to make up a silly joke. Use an anchoring phrase. So this is a good mental technique, particularly if someone's sort of experiencing trauma or they're being triggered or flashbacks or whatever. So an anchoring phrase might be something like I'm and then you say your full name. So I'm Eve Darcy. I'm however many years old. I live in wherever you live. Today is, and then you say the day and the date. It is, and you say the time. And you could say, I'm sitting at my desk at work. There's no one else in the room. I'm safe, whatever it is, okay? So they're just anchoring phrases. So they're basically just very true factual phrases as to what is happening right now, where you are, who you are, that kind of stuff. Uh, another mental technique would be describing a common task. Another would be visualize a daily task you enjoy or don't mind doing. You could imagine yourself leaving painful feelings behind. So you could just visualize something. So for example, gathering the emotions, balling them all up and putting them into a box or like a bin. Um, you could walk, swim, bike or jog away the painful feelings. So you could imagine your thoughts as a song or TV show that you don't like and you could just change the channel or turn down the volume. They might be still there, but you don't have to listen to them. 
You could describe what's around you. That's another mental technique. Soothing techniques that might help you feel more grounded. Picture the voice or face of someone you love. You could practice self-kindness. So for example, some kind kindness or compassionate phrases that you might say to yourself. You're having a rough time, but you'll make it through. You're strong and you can move through this pain. You're trying hard and you're doing your best. Say it either aloud in your head as many times as you need. You could sit with your pet. That's very soothing. You could list favorite things. You could visualize your favorite place. You could plan an activity. You could touch something comforting. You could list a load of positive things. Gratitude is a really good thing uh, to help your mental health as well. You could listen to music. That might be very soothing as well. So all of these kind of techniques, to be honest, one of the really good grounding techniques for the physical ones, and you know, not to sound super hippie about this, but it is to just get out in nature and, you know, take off your shoes and socks, feel your feet in the grass, go to a beach, feel your feet on the sand, maybe into the water, sea swimming, get into sea swimming. Everyone's going on about it. It's a new thing to do. So, you know, I mean, they can't be wrong. It, there must be something to it. It must be great. I'm just waiting for the temperatures to increase significantly. And <laughs> when I acquire a very insulated wetsuit, then I might start <laughs> going in, totally negate the effects of the sea swimming by insulating myself so much. But, um, but yeah, basically nature, that's going to be really, really calm, calming, really grounding, anything in nature. If you could listen to like birds, there's more birds now because, you know, fewer people driving, all that kind of stuff. So just listen to birds. Very calming. So yeah, they're all the grounding techniques. And yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to offer for this third therapy special. I hope something in it is helpful for someone somewhere. That would be great. And it's my wish for this episode and this podcast so yeah and just remember take it easy go gently with yourself go gently with others it's a bit of a shit show that we're all experiencing at the minute so be sound and take care of yourself